boundaries. I think I think one of the things from work from home that people did not entirely understand in the beginning of the pandemic was you have to have boundaries and you have to have, to me, I have to have a routine and I have to have work time and I have to have personal time. And it's like, you have to have, and you have to separate those because if you don't, it all just joins together and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> And people burn themselves out really fast that way. And, and we do have to have conversations with employees when we notice they're doing that. And they're like, what is your work time? Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, a leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. Today, we're with Laura Miller to talk about the topic of these times remote work. The title today is leading through the new reality of remote work. See, Laura built and has been running and leading an organization that's been remote from day one. And she's going to talk about a wide range of topics today, everything from the basics of remote work to some of the nuances, to the pros and cons, ups and downs, some of the keys that are vital in a remote workforce, such as boundaries and routines and technology some of the unique risk of overwork and burnout that exists. And most important, she's going to talk about different ways of leading, especially when you have a remote team. It's gonna be a rich conversation. And of course, we know we're gonna get back to trust because it is always such a vital issue when it comes to your team, whether they're in the office or working remotely. Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are excited to be back here today, and we have Laura Miller coming to us from what she's telling us is very hot Miami, Florida. <laughs> and being that I'm in Tampa, yes, it is warm, and of course, it's July. It is supposed to be warm, but we're going to heat up the conversation today with Laura, who is the founder and CEO of an organization called Temp Dev. It's a nationwide healthcare information technology consulting firm that specializes, specializes in next-gen EPM and EHR development. She's got an engineering background, which she mixes together with her business savvy, create holistic and sustainable solutions with positive financial and operational impacts. Now you may go, what? Well, we're gonna find out more about that. In particular, I know one of our key topics today is gonna to be about building a company with a remote, a remote uh, workforce. And certainly that is probably the hottest topic today in business. So welcome, Laura. Thank you. Yeah. And for our guests who do not necessarily know all the acronyms, EPM and EHR, can you give us a brief definition? Absolutely. So hopefully nowadays when you go to your physician, they use a computer Ooh. and <laughs> one, I hope. Um, so when you're in the room and they're charting on a computer, that is called an EHR. And okay. they're entering all of your medical records, information in what is known as an EHR. Okay, and so we electronic do health care records? 
electronic healthcare records okay. is what it stands for. And the business side of that, so the medical billing, the scheduling mm-hmm. aspect of that is called the practice management system. So E is electronic, EPM or enterprise practice management system. Gotcha. So uh, Laura, you've been doing this a while, I think 14 or 15 years, but give us a little bit of your background story got you here today. Sure. Yeah, so I um, I graduated with a computer engineering degree from UC Santa Cruz. So I am a slug and <laughs> <laughs> a banana slug to be um, particular. <laughs> and I was looking, at, so I actually lived in Silicon Valley at the time. And I was looking for a field that attracted women. And it was really hard to find that in a tech company in Silicon Valley. I know you would not believe me when I say that, um, but it's not the most um, easy thing to find out there. So I kind of stumbled into healthcare. But then if you find out that my parents are a nurse and a biostatistician, you might think, well, that was meant to be. Um, so I, I started working for a very large medical group out in the San Francisco Bay area, and they had just purchased NextGen, which is a very large ambulatory vendor. Um, ambulatory typically means non-hospital, like the doctor you go see every day rather than so you hospital can walk vendors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and they just purchased NextGen. And we were tasked with going out and implementing it at Physicians. Now, 15 years ago, everybody was on paper, right? It was rare to walk into a physician's office and there is anything electronic at all. So we were more at that point kind of selling physicians on the idea that, hey, it's really great to go electronic. And it was somewhat of a hard sell. Um, So a couple of years of being at that group, I started being recruited by quite a few people. And instead of going and, you know, being a full-time employee, I decided, hey, why don't I get into consulting and (laughs) (laughs) natural projection? And so I started TempDev and we started growing. And I think one of the reasons we were able to grow as big and fast and able to recruit so well is because we were always from the inception, a remote company. Um, And and, and so TempDev's been around for 14 years. We just had our 14-year anniversary this month. Uh, thank you. And we, we initially started kind of more in that development space, given my engineering background. But mm-hmm. as we progressed as a company, we ended up, you know, putting more emphasis in trying to provide very technical solutions to business users who weren't always able to articulate their needs very mm-hmm. well to engineers. Um, and we, we found that our niche was really being able to make that articulation and, mm-hmm. and develop solutions that really worked for them because we could hear them and we could understand them. And we can also translate it to engineers. Cool. So you from the beginning have been a remote workforce. And, you know, let's talk about, first of all, the basics. There's so many words flying around today. <laughs> What to you does it mean to have a remote workforce? So to me, a remote workforce, well, for temp dev, it really means we don't have a brick and mortar. We have no headquarters. We, I mean, you know, we have an address. 
Um, <laughs> we get mail. <laughs> we get, get mail. mail, which it's always been a really interesting part of being a remote company, right? Is like, what, what's your address? And you don't want it to be your home address. Right. Because you don't want everybody going to your house. Um, it, and so, you know, everybody from the beginning, from its inception, has worked from home. And that has been our remote company. And I, I'm not sure that's really the fit for every company out there because sure. I, I, there are certainly situations where you need to work in an office or mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a workspace. But for us, it has always been, we do not have an office space at all. Well, and certainly that is the hot topic today because we've had a vast, I don't know what the percentages are, if you do, a huge percentage of the population has been working remotely the last 18 months. Some of them are, let's call it coming back to an office where they had an office. Now, your business has never had an office. There's nothing to come back to, but you've got companies who had people working remotely. Now they're bringing them back in the office. Maybe they're not. It's a hybrid <laughs> There's a lot of chaos going on right now. Frankly, this is a really difficult decisions. So what is, you know, what do you say when you look at these companies today that are struggling with that decision of, do we stay remote or not? So, you know, we're, um, we've always been this like next gen consulting firm, right? And we, we work with these very large medical groups, right? And when the pandemic happened, pretty much none of our clients had work from home policies. Oh, wow. And, you know, maybe occasionally, you know, client, you know, their employees might work from home during an upgrade or something, but primarily they worked in their office. Sounds like a great and, marketing opportunity for you. Wow. Well, all of a sudden, we became sort of work from home consultants. Yeah. <laughs> because they're like, how do you do this? What do you do? What are your rules? What are, how do you manage people? Because there's a lot of questions there. And sure. I, I can tell you, we've, we've, we've cut ourselves quite a few times. We've, and we've figured it out and we've, we've hit brick walls and we've made mistakes, but we've done it for 14 years. So we kind of had that figured out. So we, we became really good work from home consultants. So now I feel like we're almost helping our clients transition back from that. But one thing I'm telling my clients is be very careful about how you position this to your employees, because what we're seeing in the marketplace, especially in IT, People don't want to go back <laughs> and people are, there is a lot of attrition happening right now. Now do you, the IT people not want to go back? And, and I'll say this from a, being a former IT person mm-hmm. because most IT people do not like being around other people or because <laughs> they just find that it's, they can get more done at home. I think both. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, work from home is great. There's so many benefits to it that now that it's been, they've seen the other side. Yeah. And I don't think you're coming back from it. And I think if you are not flexible, you're going to lose those employees because I, you know, a lot of people gave up real estate. A lot of people Mm. gave up offices and a lot of other companies are going to be offering work from home that if you don't, you're at a disadvantage for retaining top talent. And that's what I keep counseling my clients on because it's a hot job market right now. It is a very hot job market. I mean, 
even McDonald's is, you know, telling people they're paying $15 an hour and we've never wow. seen that before. Right. You know, they're, they have banners everywhere. It's a top, it's a hot job market for a lot of people. And if you don't have a work from home policy for people who really want it, I don't think you're going to be able to retain talent as well, as much as you want to. Yeah. Well, and, and let's, let's differentiate something here. I think it's important <laughs> in this that the pandemic really brought to the light the difference between work from home and just more generally remote working. Mm. I think what happened during pandemic, the pandemic is not only were people working from home, but I know a lot of people who were traveling within, you know, within the restrictions and working mm -hmm. and saying, I can travel and work. So it's not just work from home. It's this the freedom of distant or remote working. Yeah. They can be anywhere and work. All they need is a connection and some technology. And so I think that the freedom that comes from working not in an office has expanded during the pandemic because it's not just work from home, it's work from anywhere. Right. And the cost, of, the cost of living changed too, right? And I, I, like you live in Florida, think about all the, all the people we've gotten in Florida recently, <laughs> right? New York transplants, California transplants. I mean, my entire block in my neighborhood has changed over. And, you know, we've seen it all over South Florida. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen the same. Is that here in Raleigh too. Right. You don't. So we call them halfbacks because they go down to Florida and they come halfway back because it's too hot down there. <laughs> but all of a sudden you don't have to pay, you know, so much in rent, so much in income tax, so much right. in all of these things. You can have a pretty good life, make New York salaries, make California salaries and live remotely. And it's pretty, it's pretty nice. Um, so yeah, we, we've seen that too. And, and how are companies going to adjust for that, right? Because they've always done cost of living adjustments depending on where they have had people live. But, mm -hmm. you know, now that everybody's remote, what does that look like? And are you <laughs> well, just no. going to pay people the same? No, I guess the, the other part of that is that you, you now have access to global talent a lot yeah. more because now if you have the policies for remote work, it doesn't matter where they're coming from. And you right. have a lot of benefits in being able to have basically a 24-hour cycle, but not having people who are disgruntled doing <laughs> that because now they're, they're actually up during the, the sunlight. Yeah. You know, we, so we've always kept it U.S.-based okay. personally. Um, just because, well, first off, healthcare in the U.S. is so complicated that I yeah. think anybody outside of the U.S. would just bang their heads against the wall <laughs> about how ridiculous we are at some level. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's we're a very niche market. If I can't recruit from across the U.S., I don't know where I would be. Hmm. But it is also something very complicated because now when you have all these employees in all these different states, you have to go register as a business in all these states. You become an employer in all these states. And we're not, you know, we're about 30 people now. We're not a huge company, mm -hmm. but we're registered in like 15 states. And then you got to pay taxes and you got to get workers. You know, there is a lot of logistics that you have to think through as a company as mm -hmm. you're working through this. That um, once you once you figure it out, you, you kind of figure it out. We, in the early days, partnered with a PEO. Yeah because they helped us. Um, then it, 
then I think once we got our bearings and feet under us, we just yep. decided to kind of go at it on our own. And so PEO define, define it. Sure. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Not everybody Sorry. knows the acronyms. <laughs> yeah. So a, a PEO is, is um, a professional, let me make sure I get this right. A professional employment organization. Yep. And they will, you essentially pay them a fee and your employees are essentially employees of that company. And so they're registered in all the states. They will do the payroll. They will take on all the reporting and the tax reporting and everything for you and do the insurance negotiations and everything else that, that comes with being an employer in these other states. Now, they also do the employee in, entrance and exit interviews and, and um, yeah. disciplinary action and stuff like that, too. Yeah. They can. Well, yeah. Some will. Some will some not will. Yeah, do the right. disciplinary part. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's too many organizations saying, can I not do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I not be a leader? <laughs> yeah, can I not be a leader? So uh, one thing you touched on, uh, Laura is the market, the job market right now. And it is a hot, it's definitely a employer employees market. And some numbers we've seen, someone recently talked about a number somewhere between 30 and 40% of the U S workforce is looking to change jobs this year. Wow. Actively looking to change. Now, <laughs> I wonder how much of that is about what's going on with the policies or the non-policies around remote work, hybrid work, whatever that we're going to talk more about that. Is it about what happened during the pandemic in terms of the leadership? I don't know, but that's a big number. It is a very yeah. huge number. So can you talk more? I mean, you, you threw it out there, but talk more about the, the issues that come up about talent attraction and talent retention. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to have some flexibility in your work schedule today. Your work, your not work schedule, but your work dynamics of being the ability to work remotely. Right. So, I, okay. So, one thing that I have always found attemptive, and I think if you ask most of my employees, and it's it's not something I think people first think about when they think about remote work or work from home, but it is probably the number one thing my employees care about the most is that they're able to take care of their families. Hmm while they work from home. Yep. So we are a very unique tech company in that we have primarily at the top of our company women, and we are a majority women company. And it wasn't purposefully done, I promise. <laughs> we didn't go out there and say, hey, we only want to you know, hire women by any stretch of the imagination. I will hire anybody who's talented, <laughs> I promise. Um, but we became very attractive to women and especially yeah. mothers. And as a mom myself, something that's super attractive about work from home is I can take care of my kids in a pinch. Yeah. It's running to a pediatrician appointment. It's they come home from school sick and they can like lay in their bed and I'm home and I can like run to a meeting on mute real quick and, and manage the situation and come back. And nobody's the wiser, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's I can I can take them to school in the morning and be at work at 8.15. And nobody's like watching me as I come into a cubicle and going, she's late for work every, <laughs> every day, 15 minutes late. And I think that has been one of it. So whenever I ask my employees, what do you like the most about working for Tempta? It's the ability to kind of be flexible 
and take care of their families and like whatever that situation may be. I have employees who are taking care of elderly parents. Mm. You know, they one of their parents has Alzheimer's, so they might take their parents wow. to doctor's appointments. Um, you know, I have another employee, her child has autism. She wouldn't be able to have a job because of all the therapy she has to take her child to, or like the therapist comes to her home instead. She doesn't need to be there. The therapist is with her child, but like she needs to be around and work from home allows that. And I think as we saw, you know, women, especially exodus, the workforce last year, Hmm. when I think we know why they were right, because schools were closed, (laughs) everything was closed and somebody had to take care of people. But I think that having that flexibility is what's going to help employers retain that talent. That makes a lot of sense. I think I I knew a lot of people who had kids, you know, during the time of COVID and just the craziness of what they had to deal with. There's just no way that they could have done that from being in the office and still having their kids and, and deal with that. I always joke that on my, on a future resume that I will say the hardest thing I've ever done (laughs) is in the middle of a globe. So I have a five and a 10 year old. Oh, wow. Okay. And in and in the middle of a global pandemic, and, and, and both me and my husband work full time. And in the middle of a global pandemic, I kept my company afloat. <laughs> I never laid off anybody. Wow. And I took care of my kids and I homeschooled them. Wow. That's amazing. Super wonderful. Right. So I'm just going to put that on my resume yeah. and, like, and then like, you know. Yeah, and what did you me- do last year? <laughs> <laughs> It's like you think about it and you're like, yeah, like good on you. Like, I, you know, and and by the and like I was number one, like we were like the lucky ones because we had jobs, you know, but like we were like the normal parent. Like that's what a lot of parents were dealing with. And it was yeah. so much on parents. And I think, you know, now that our children are like hopefully back at school, I think it's just so much easier to to <laughs> now I feel like so blessed because my children are school. I'm like, this is easy. It makes so so much difference. My wife is a teacher. And last year she saw the the disengagement of students Mm -hmm. where, you know, they just roll over and turn on the computer and then go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, so they weren't really there. And she had people who had single digit scores on, you know, for their grades. I mean, it was just crazy. And now that things are coming back, she's seeing that a lot of the kids are, are very appreciative. So, Laura, let's talk about some of the objections we've heard. Uh, I'm going to start with just, I think, the funniest one. So many organizations saying we need to bring people back to the office at least full time or at least most of the time, significant amounts back in the office, because we need to be doing collaboration, innovation, and for our culture. So if that's true, that would tell me that TempDev does not collaborate, has no innovation, <laughs> and you have no culture whatsoever. So I'm right. curious, there's, there's, where's the real truth in this? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we always do one of those, you know, yearly surveys, right? And then they, they send out, you know, the consulting group sends out one of those word art things. And the number one word people always mention when they talk about temp dev culture is family. Mm-hmm. And that we're attempt of family, which is surprising because I can tell you I, there are people who work for me that I have never met. Mm-hmm. And I hire people I have never met. 
I do not even know what they look like. And so I think there are many of ways to build culture, to build community, to foster innovation that have nothing to do with being in a room together. You know, (laughs) (laughs) we use teams all the time. We are all DMing each other. We're all instant messaging each other. Um, We're a consulting firm. So, you know, a lot of our actual meetings are with clients as opposed to with each other. But, you know, we, you can absolutely get on a session, a Zoom call, a WebEx call and brainstorm with each other. Um, you know, and you can do it at nine o'clock at night when you work from home, <laughs> because a lot of times as an engineer, that's when the, that's when the creativity comes. I have just never found that that's been an issue for us ever. And I think in some ways, when you're home, when you have time to think, when people aren't caught up in water cooler talk and running to lunch and gossiping about each other and having all of that, like, kind of office drama, I think it actually builds a better culture. Yeah. Because for some reason, like, that doesn't happen as much at work from home. And if you, if you talk to people, they'll be like, yeah, you know what? We have had a lot less drama this year. <laughs> I actually enjoyed being around a lot of the people in the office. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm, it, it's kind of a pro and con, you know, one, one side of my business has exploded and I have clients all over the world and that's, that's right. been a really good thing. So, but then on the other side, not around other people, but I've been doing that for 15 years. So. Right. Well, we have, um, we have a conference in November where we all get together mm. and it's like our favorite time, our favorite time. It's like when we can all be together with each other. Um, we, it, when it's in Orlando, we try to go early and go to the theme park together or do something yes. fun. Like, Always I think good. it is important to have moments where you're a team and you do things together, yep. but it doesn't need to be every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what about this, Laura? Something just okay. hit me. There's a, so much conversation and I get it, but I think there's been a shift and that is this idea people say, well, we need time together. Most people crave it. You know, there's extroverts, introverts, but there, there's a fundamental need to come together, but that doesn't mean we have to come together at work. Right. People actually have more time to be with people when they work remotely. It's just not the work people. And I wonder if we're still applying this old template to what it means to have a team work together, because this is what we're used to. Um, as I, I keep hearing these arguments, but then I talked to so many organizations, we've had other guests on who said, we have an incredible culture. People love working here. They have great relationships. They have all the things we say we want and we don't have an office. So what is the, what's the real pull here of people saying, no, we have to have an office because that's what people need. But the people are saying, I don't want it. A lot of people are saying, I don't want it. I think there are some people who, um, and and we have seen this from our own, like as we have hired people, remote work is not for everybody. Some people need to go to an office, not have home distractions, whatever those might be, Um, have the home distractions, sit in an office, be near people, some people need that and and we have seen it and and when we have that situation we realize that this is not the right fit for us <laughs> and you know we 
we will move them along because they, they, they're not going to work for us. And I think that there's just people who are like that. Um, and those people might be the leaders of the companies <laughs> that are saying that because yeah. I do have clients and a lot of them are, were more of the leaders and less of the kind of worker bee people that loved going to the office, even in the pandemic. And I think it's, you know, the kids were crazy at home and they couldn't concentrate and they couldn't have that moment of peace. Whereas like my kids know, like if mom's in her office, like my son comes up every day at three o'clock and he'll hug me. And everybody who, you know, works with me knows Zach and knows that at like three o'clock, if you're on the phone call with Zach, with Laura, you're going to hear Zach. (laughs) And that's just okay. And it's like, you have to be okay with that. And I don't like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) It's called life. And I think like we all had to get used to everybody having like a family and life and like having like this weird interconnect, like interpersonal and, and work connectivity with the pandemic. But I think that like a lot of people don't want that distraction. So they do want a place to go into. But I also think like what we have found too is like if we really love that employee, but they're having a really hard time at home, that's I feel like when we've done like things like we work situations where we do find them an office, we find them a quiet place, we find them something. Because I think that 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 might be something that works for people that home does not. Right. Yeah. People. Yeah. It, it is good to be able to have different places. Sometimes people can get into overwork mode mm-hmm. if they can't escape their workspace. So, yeah. you know, my office is right next to my bedroom. I can be here all day, but I've learned to have self-care too. <laughs> right. Yeah. You have to have boundaries. I think, yes. I think one of the things from work from home that people did not entirely understand in the beginning of the pandemic was you have to have boundaries. Yeah. And you have to have, to me, I have to have a routine and I have to have work time and I have to have personal time. And it's like, you have to have, and you have to separate those because if you don't, it all just joins together and you're like, what am I doing? (laughs) Right. That's a good, good cause for stress out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And people burn themselves out really fast that way. And and we do have to have conversations with employees when we notice they're doing that and they're like, what is your work time? So that's so good. That's refreshing. We've heard somebody else say the same thing. If we see you working too much, we're going to call you out. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Yeah. Because like, if you love your employees, you don't want them to work that much because exactly. within a year, you're going to get them to resign. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like the last thing you want. I think that's interesting you say that because a lot of leaders and organizations will say, we don't really want our people to overwork, but they let them. Mm-hmm. And then to me, that means you don't really mean that. Right. Because they'll say things like, well, you know, they, we want them to do what they need to do for themselves. Well, no, but if you really say that's a value, why aren't you having the conversation with them? To me, there's a lack of integrity in that, a lack of alignment to say, we don't want our people to work hard, but if they too, but if they choose to on their own, that's all right. <laughs> by the way, we're going to promote them ahead of everybody else and hold wing, wing, nudge, nudge. Yeah. yeah, you have to you have to live by example, right? And and I and I had I I personally had to learn that because I'm the kind of person that will work on a weekend. I'm the kind of person yep. that will work on a night. And and when I had my first daughter, I, when I had my daughter, I worked at temp up then. And all of a sudden, when you have a kid, it hits you. 
oh, I can't work 24-7 anymore. Like that doesn't work for me anymore. And so I had to make a very conscious choice to have very strict, like I'm not having meetings during this time and I'm not answering emails unless it's like an emergency or phone calls, unless it's a huge emergency during this time, because my kids need me and they need to know who their parent is and they need that. So good. (laughs) <laughs> they, they need that time. And so my people, everybody knows from five to eight, that's my kid time. And from five to eight, I'm not scheduling meetings. I'll be honest, my phone's on me. So I know emails coming through. I see them, but unless they're like emergencies, I'm ignoring them. And then uh, at eight, I open my laptop again, but my children are asleep. So it's fine. Um, but like, that's, that's my way. That's my boundary. And I think as a leader, if you're setting that, then your employees know it's okay to set that because they go, oh, well, Laura does it. So if Laura can do it, I can do it, right? (laughs) But if you're, and then we we don't really try to send emails at all on weekends. Great. Now, do you, are you explicit about your expectations there? No. I mean, mean, there's, there's weekend, but there's also evening work and you know, just the, the general. Yeah, I mean, we're not explicit because at the end of the day, at some point we are IT. So, you know, people do upgrades on weekends. People do deployments at night. So there is a certain expectation that people work some weekends and work some evenings, right? Because that's just kind of how IT goes. But if we notice certain people are working too, much, too many weekends and, and we stagger who works what and how sure. that works out. So we're not conscious about it because we're not like, hey, you cannot work X this, but it's not a problem at our company. Like our inboxes aren't flying out. And I, if I see emails come through to me on weekends, I won't reply to them till Monday. Gotcha. Because what I have found is if I reply to an email, they go, oh my gosh, the CEO replied, I better reply. And then it goes boom, 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 right? Because they, they like have this need and this anxiety because their boss emailed them. And Jeff, I had it sounds to- like she's actually leading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and you're, what I hear in that is you're really paying attention to the impact of your leadership. Yes. Because I, I tell you, during the pandemic, you highlighted this. I talked to a lot of business owners during the pandemic who would say, yeah, everybody's working from home except me. <laughs> and I thought, what's the message that you're coming to the office? And so other mm-hmm. people are having the challenge of working from home because there are challenges with their kids, but you don't. It was almost like, well, I'm the boss, so I can do what I want. In fact, several said that. And I said, but what's the impact of that on your team? Right. Your team's saying, so you are working a better environment than me. Why? Because you're the boss. And I, I just love that you seem to be very intentional about the impact you have by what you do and what you don't do and how that's going to inform your team and your culture. Thank you. Yeah. I try. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about a word that you've talked, I think, around it. And it recently in some LinkedIn uh, posts I've done and some comments back and forth around productivity. <clears throat> There's a whole this conversation about I've seen a lot of research. Yeah. And I'll just use that term generally that says that people working remotely during the pandemic have been as productive or more productive. There's a lot of leaders who are saying my people are, are less productive. That's why we mm-hmm. have to bring them back to work. <laughs> I've not seen a lot of research. I'm not saying it's not there. I've not seen a lot of that. Mm-hmm. What is your sense around productivity 
Yeah. For people who are working remotely, especially during the pandemic? So this is a really good question because um, as consultants, we are often brought in like for staff augmentation, right? And, you know, somebody quit, you know, somebody, some key employee quit or, you know, left the organization or is on leave. For some reason, we are often replacing an employee for a short period of time, mm-hmm. right? And so that's a really good marker. Hey, how much are our employees able to do in the time frame that your former employees were, right? And what often ends up happening is they'll go, oh, like they'll start full-time staff augmentation. And then they're like, wow, um, maybe we only need half. <laughs> maybe we only need quarter because all of a sudden all the um especially because like our uh, like in the development arena and some of that like a lot of the distractions get removed yes and people become a lot more productive when there's a lot less distraction mm-hmm you know, when you could sit there and program for six hours straight without Huge. somebody coming over and asking you because you, you're smart with a computer, how to help them with Facebook or <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot of questions that happen in an office. There's a lot of distraction yeah, that I true. feel like is just very much removed. Um, I have never had a lot of productivity issues. Um, with my employees, I have found them to be incredibly productive. Um, however, what I will say, and I, I try, I look, I trust my employees. I, I, I implicitly trust people. And for 10 years, I ran the company on a completely trust basis. However, occasionally you get that feeling in the pit of your stomach that so-and-so is not doing what they say they are. And that's really difficult as a remote employee from an HR employer from an HR standpoint, right? Yeah. Because you need to start building a case. So and so says they're working, it's clear they're not. And you know, for us, we're billing clients. So I never want to be sending out a fraudulent bill. That's the last thing right. I want as an employer. And I feel like I owe it to my clients. So after a lot of Wrangling with myself, we invested in um, Time Doctor, which is screenshot software. Mm. And because we deal a lot with patient information, we actually blur the images. So I can tell like you're in Outlook, but I can't read your email. That's kind of, but it tracks how much you're moving your mouse. It tracks how many, like how much you're, typing and things like that how active you are in your computer are you at your computer and (laughs) everything i can see my employees can see it's very transparent they know it's there they you know it's we we try to be really transparent about it and they understand why we do it um i I was so anxious about this because I, I'm like one of those people, like, I'm like, don't you trust me? And it took a lot for me to get there, but I had to get there because we'd had a couple of incidents where it was just starting to be really obvious. We needed something more. My employees don't care. (laughs) It was probably more, it was, it was probably worse to me than it was to my employees. And it's sort of a non-issue 
from most of them. Like I've never really gotten complaints the way I thought I would. And, and so we only really look when we notice there's an issue and it does somewhat help with managing people because we're like, what were you doing all day? (laughs) And we can go look and they're one-on-one and we can say, oh, it looks like you just kind of sat here and like stared at this or you stuck. Like, can we help you? And it it gives us another mechanism to, to kind of understand what's happening and why, why they may not be moving forward as much as they, they can. And so I would say if you're, if you're really just like wanting, you really like to work, you really like the idea of work from home, but you can't get past that idea of like, you need some more insight into your employees. I understand that because I had to get, I, I was there and that's what we did. And it, it helps me sleep easier at night. Um, I had to get there, but it, it works for us and, and we use it a lot. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com confident to find out more. See you on the inside. Welcome back. Well, one thing I'm curious about, back to the product, continuing with productivity, yeah. uh, a question I just posted in the last week or so mm-hmm. on social media was this. If you've got a team member in the office yeah. who met expectations of productivity, mm-hmm. whatever that means, I think part of the problem is most organizations haven't figured it out. They don't even know. It's just a sense. If someone seems busy, they think they're productive. Right. And that's a horrible <laughs> measure. I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of the big problem. but. Let's say they say, well, this person, Laura, is productive at the office. Now Laura's working remotely, and she's achieving the same expectations. She's meeting the expectations, but she's doing it in less time. Mm-hmm. Is Laura less productive because she's not working as much time? Is she equally productive, or is she actually more productive? I say she's more productive. She's getting it done in less time. That's better. But I think that so much of our focus on productivity is about time. It's real, really stuck in that mindset here in yeah. 2021. Yeah. Everybody wants that 40 hours from you, right? I, I think part, <laughs> part of it's laziness. I think it's laziness that it's easy to measure hours. Right. Yeah. But it's the least important measure today. What's the value of what you created? Did you meet expectations? Did you not? Are you... Are you adding positive value to this team, to this organization, to our clients, our customers? Those are harder to measure, but they're the ones that really matter today. And I think the remote workforce is going to really push the envelope on that question in the next five to 10 years, maybe even, well, certainly shorter too. I think that it's it's maybe not as easy as you think to properly measure the time spent doing work. Because if we're jumping from from task to task, we have switching costs. If we're, you know, let's say doing the laundry, and then we jump back in and we're doing whatever we do, it, there's there's a lot that goes into that. How productive is somebody? If somebody's at an office and they're hanging out at the water cooler, if they're you know just having side side conversations instead of having you know production based conversations, that can be very different. 
Same thing on Zoom calls. I feel like people have a really difficult time figuring out KPIs in general. <laughs> yeah. Key performance indicators. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I, we work a lot in BI and business <laughs> intelligence and coming up with dashboards for people. And, you know, that's right. something we do is like, hey, how, how productive is your medical biller, right? This is yeah. You know, and you sit down and you're like, okay, how do you measure productivity? Oh, <laughs> right. Well, you know, <laughs> and, and so, you know, and then, and then, okay. So we're going to say how many charges they entered today. Okay. And so what do you think is like how many they should, like, where, where are we good at? And then, and then maybe do you just stop after that? Or do you just keep going? Like, how do you, how do we, me- but I think, I think measuring is really difficult, right? Even when people do goals, I think that is part of the, one of the hardest parts of when we do reviews is the, is the measurable part of a goal that people write. Cause you're, you're like sitting there and you're like, well, how are you going to measure it? <laughs> how are we going to know you completed this goal with, with your goal setting? And, and people have a really difficult time measuring it. Yeah. And then you almost need like a full-time manager just to be watching it. But I think with automation, you're going to see less and less need for people to be working 40 hours a week. Right. And so maybe we do need to get away from that construct and just be okay with, Hey, we're okay with if If you did this, you're good this week. Well, as a really, I'm sorry, good. Do you really think that's going to happen, Laura? Because they (laughs) predicted that in the 1950s, they predicted (laughs) the 1950s that, by 2000, we would be more productive, our output would be higher, and we'd be working fewer hours a week. And that did not happen. In fact, oh, no, the I'm... hours went up. So my question is, why is that going to happen? And I think even your comment earlier, Craig, speaks to our entrenchment around hours. Like, who cares how long they spend around the water cooler? Why is it even a question if they're getting their job done? Right. It's not even a discussion. But the fact that we say, well, this... That means we're focused on time, not productivity. And if they're not, if they have spare time to produce more, then the question is, do we have the wrong expectations? Maybe we got to raise the bar. Or we also need to plan that they need some talk time. They need that, that connection time. I think it's important. I just find it fascinating how many people and organizations say they trust their people, but their actions say they don't. During this pandemic with the remote worker, I can't see them. I can't check on them. But when they are around, they say, well, I don't know. You know, they could be on Facebook or whatever. I go back to what do you care as long as they're meeting your expectations? If they're not meeting your expectations, that's a different conversation. Right. I think, I think from an HR perspective, it's difficult to document when they're not meeting your expectations without some more legitimate proof that's kind of hard to do when you're remote. And that's somewhat, that that's somewhat why we had to, to do certain things because I I absolutely trust a lot of my employees. Right. And, and, and to me, it's not a, there, there's a pretty intrinsic trust there, but when we had to start working through documentation for terminations and things like that, because unfortunately sometimes you have to get there and Sometimes you can't just talk about, hey, productivity, HR groups want more. (laughs) 
And so, you know, when you have, when you have more empirical evidence and it's not just anecdotal, that's when you're like, you feel a little bit better from an HR standpoint that you're covered. Is there any way to benchmark against like the norm is they get this much stuff done. This person is like noticeably off that target, you know, positive or negative. Because positive would be, hey, this person can really get it done. Maybe we can learn from them. Yeah, I mean, for us, like, we don't even look at people who are getting things done. That's not, <laughs> you know, okay. I never, I never. No kudos. 90 percent of my employees, I've never even looked at their at yeah. their stuff because I don't care. It doesn't even phase me. I don't. But when we do have suspicion, yeah, you know, it it, it does help us, and. Gotcha. It sucks because I don't, I hate being that person. Like, I hate being in that position. I, I'm super empathetic and I would hate people watching me. <laughs> and I try to put myself in all, like, I always, I always come from a place of what would I do if I were the employee? And I am like a person who bucks at any, anyone <laughs> over me, which is why That's I why probably started, started my company, own. right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> authority and me are not like the biggest thing so the idea of that but it does help a lot when you're when you're talking about hr yeah. and and hr is like such especially in certain states right curious laura it sounds like you struggled with this decision about what is it called uh, oh so we use time doctor time doctor um this question a lot of organizations would say we felt the need for that because of the people who weren't performing, but we're going to implement it with everybody. Um, and there's a potential impact on the other people because you've had a great experience with your team. Mm -hmm. I know some organizations, not such a great experience because even their strong performers are saying I'm more stressed out now because I feel, and I feel not trusted. They do. Yeah. Uh, and stress has gone up because they were trying to deal with either a small percentage of the work population or the leader's lack of comfort, who says, I need something to feel more comfortable. So how did you deal with the uncertainty of the impact, knowing you were really doing it for a small group, but it could impact the bigger group? So I feel like it's hard to like single people out and say, hey, we're just going to put it on your machine. Sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. So you have to do a universal. Mm -hmm. It's on my machine, right? It's on everybody's machine. And we also talk about the benefits of it. So we do client work. And so you can actually toggle between your clients and calculate your time that you're spending on clients. So there are some added benefits that the tool does bring because it will sit there and say like, oh, you've worked 30 minutes on so-and-so and, -so and you've worked two hours. And so it does help them do like their timesheets and things mm -hmm. like that at the end of the month. So that was one of the selling points we did. And I will tell you the, the first three to six months of the implementation of it, people were, people had anxiety about it, right? But I think the longer we've had it in the more my employees could say like, Nobody's ever said anything to me about it. It's helpful to me to go back at the end of the week because I forget what I did on Monday and I was, I forgot to fill out my timesheet. So it's helpful to see kind of what I was working on. Um, you know, I think as 
as people have seen that we've really only used it for serious situations, they have talked about that with newer employees and passed that information along because, you know, they all talk to each other. So I think we just had to, to build up our rapport with employees to get it to that place where it's, it's like no big deal. It was a big deal to start with. Yeah. I think it's actually really important that you say that they, they talk to each other because it seems like so many people forget that employees talk to each other without the manager being around, which means they can share anything that they want. And it, it just seems like we, we forget that sometimes. Oh, it's funny how much they talk to each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm always the last to know, I think, sometimes. Well, I think it's an, it raises an interesting point here. It covers a lot of things, not just this type of tracking software, but what's the level of trust you have before you'd make something, do something like this, whatever the thing is. And how much grace do you get because of that trust to sort of see how it's implemented? Because yeah. I could see that over time, that initial nervousness and say, you know what, it turns out that they're really just using this as a tool relative to problem situations. And I'm not the problem situation, so. You know, I, I have to say that also employees who are hard workers often have to bear the brunt of employees who don't. Yeah. You know, and, and they've been the ones who have had to clean up the messes. And so in some ways, they're almost appreciative <laughs> of the fact we're watching because they don't have to cover. Because that's that's one thing we were finding was that, you know, on some of the projects, some of our really hard workers were covering for some of their, yeah. let's say, not as hard worker employees because they didn't want the project to fail. They didn't want the client not to be happy, yeah. but they also didn't want to be like the tattletale. Mm -hmm. And so when we had more visibility into things, I think they felt almost relieved. And so it didn't really affect our, our most productive people, except I do have the occasional employee who, even though they're the most productive person out there, they're like the most kick butt employee you have, no matter what you say, it's at them, <laughs> right? You're like, we installed this and oh, they're going to look at me. And you're like, they're, you're literally the last person I'm looking at. You're like the hardest worker on earth. I would never even think you were not working but they always think that. So you just have to like work with them to get them to a place where they're comfortable. So let me ask you one more question here. That's, I hear this a lot these days uh, and it, it blows my mind. It literally, my head could explode if it was, if you could see it microscopically exploding. The number of people today who tell me that during the pandemic, they, and they say this literally, cause I challenge it. They are spending their entire day on zoom call. They're in every minute of every day is in meetings. Well, that was not the case pre-COVID. Right. So you've not had to make a change because you were remote. Do you have people on your team, including you, who are on in meetings all day long? That's all they do because you're remote? So me, yes, but I'm also the CEO. Right. I think at executive level you're in meetings all day. That's sort of your life. Um, but most of my employees are not in meetings all day. 
and we tried to counsel them. A lot of our clients didn't know how to have these like checkpoints with their employees without being in meetings. And so they would like schedule like an hour, two hour meetings, like literally every morning. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, you're like, you're, you're killing the productivity. Like, don't even blame your employees on this one. This one's on you, right? You know, cause they didn't know how to like have effective communication and, and like build pathways to their employees without Zoom calls or, and, and we've figured that out. Like we, we have that nailed. Um, so I would say I'm probably the only person in calls every day, all day. Um, and that's okay. Like that's my life, but that's always been my life. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know anybody who's like changed that because they went on zoom and the only people I know who were in of my clients, cause I saw a lot of my clients transition. Right. And our meeting load did not go up with them. Cause you know, we went from them being in the office to them being remote. And it's not like we got on more meetings with them. We saw the same amount of meetings. Um, and it was, you know, same, same story. The executives I had more meetings with because executives love meetings. Cause if we don't have meetings, then what will we do when I don't have a meeting in my day? Sometimes I'm like, what am I going to so do? Meeting equals productive for executives. I think so. That's the measure of productivity for an executive. Huh? Okay, so that, that just means that they have to be collaborating in order to be adding value to the company. Right. Is that really true? No, it's not actually true, but we will pretend it is. Okay, all right. It's a secret, well, right? Now we know where the challenge is coming from. <laughs> yeah. we, say, we need more meetings. We need more meetings. I need something to do. I have seen that with some leaders, that they feel like they need to be have meetings, be in every meeting. Uh, well, that's a, meetings are a whole other topic. <laughs> You know, there used to be that Dilbert thing that you could like put in the middle of the meeting table that would calculate how much that meeting is costing. Oh, oh what a great idea. Because, <laughs> oh I mean, meetings are expensive. If you if you yeah. like sit and calculate the, the salaries of every person in that meeting. Especially at the executive level. Maybe yeah. you need fewer meetings, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm paying myself. So for me, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> so Laura, this is so, so good. The, the wrap up question when I ask you is you've talked about a lot about remote teams, remote working. If some organization is out there thinking, I just don't know how to do this. I don't, what's the key thing they need to hear about that this does work, what they can do to make it work. So um, I, I think there's a couple of key things for us, right? invest in good technology, whatever it might be. It, for us, it was Teams um, and having like a really good chat system. You don't need to be in meetings. You can just DM somebody. It's way easier and hey, cheaper. <laughs> and you can search for the meeting or for the conversation. Right, yeah. And you can do all kinds of things collaboratively in Teams yeah. without having a meeting. Um, have a way of rewarding employees. And, and having that acknowledgement go out so that people can see it. That was another key thing for us. We use Bonusly. It's been incredibly helpful for us because it lets our employees bonus each other, huh. which is really, really lovely. And they, they basically get, they give kudos to each other, but the kudos are also worth points, which they can buy things with. Cool. So it's super helpful. 
Um, and be empathetic towards what your employees are going through. Yes. Because especially even post pandemic, we are taking care of parents. We are taking care of children. We are taking care of spouses. We are taking care of a lot outside of work. And I, I feel honestly, a lot of the people who are doing that are some of the best multitaskers and most productive people out there. And if you're empathetic towards them, they will, they will, you will reap the benefits as their employer. And I have seen it and I can, I, I can testify to that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And trust your employees. Trust. We always come back to trust, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to get burned sometimes and it's okay. You still have to trust them and it's okay to be burned. You know, that is so, so important to know. It is okay. Every now and then you cannot get bitter over it. Right. Laura, this is so good. So many uh, tangible takeaways for people who are either creating a a remote workforce, maintaining it, assessing it, looking at all these, these challenging questions. They are challenging questions and they Mm -hmm. require what we found a very different mindset and type of leadership. And that's what's required today. So thank you for being one of those leaders and bringing your wisdom here. We always want to make sure our guests have a chance to promote anything that's going on, particularly for you or your business. What is that, Laura? Well, so we, um, we are a consulting firm. And one of the things we did a lot of is um, we, we built a package to do a lot of COVID shots really rapidly. Mm-hmm. We're doing flu shots soon. So that's something that our, our company is really focusing on because, you know, Flu season's coming up and COVID, it's going to be really an interesting thing this, this season. But um, I would just say that we're, you know, we're still building a lot of solutions and you can be, we're still innovating, even as a remote company. <laughs> um, I know probably not a lot of your listeners uh, have NextGen, but if they do, you know, reach out to us. We would be happy to help them out. And Great, who is Laura. your ideal client? Our ideal client is, is, Pretty much any ambulatory group with NextGen. Okay. Well, Laura, what is the best way for people to connect with you? Um, our website is tempdev.com. They can email us. I'm Laura at tempdev.com or social media or the tempdev on pretty much every network. All right. <laughs> And Laura, we always wrap wrap up with one of our signature questions. And the question Mm -hmm. for you, Laura, is what's that piece of wisdom? What's that wisdom bomb for our listeners? So the thing that I, that has guided me on a personal level, because I feel like we've talked a lot about leadership at at the company, but the, the leadership of actually leading the company to be successful is, I love this quote is, is what would you do if you could not fail? Mm. And it guides me. Now, I don't do everything <laughs> if I could not fail, but I always try to think through that. And it has guided me very well because I try not to let fear really get in the way of a lot of my decisions. Well, thank you for that, Laura. Thanks for all you shared. And thank you for modeling influential and impactful leadership, which is what yep. we're all about. Thank you for having me today.
If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.